Welcome back to Mining Stock Daily, everybody. Again, making my way through downtown Vancouver and uh, popped into office here at uh, 510 Burrard, and that is the office of American Pacific Mining and CEO Mr. Warwick Smith. American Pacific Mining trades on the CSE with USGD and on the OTCQX with USGDF. Uh, Warwick, this morning we reported the news uh, out of your recently acquired Danny Boy project that uh, you've commenced some early exploration work there obviously but that's not the only news out of the company because it has been a pretty busy summer uh, through a number of the projects that you've recently and have had on the books uh, you know for a couple of years here so let's start let's hit the news of the day with Danny Boy and give us a sense of what's happening there yeah happy to yeah I mean it's been it's been a busy summer I think for a 50 60 million dollar market cap company we've got over 30 million in exploration this year so um, significantly more than most I would think Danny Boy was part of the Clearview acquisition, uh, which we picked up, uh, I think we closed that about two months ago. Uh, that came with Ziggurat, uh, which is a project that uh, is under joint venture uh, with Centera. Uh, but Danny Boy was actually the original reason we looked at it. Danny Boy is contiguous to Tuscarora, uh, so it's made Tuscarora significantly larger. now. Ran some sampling down there. Really what it needs now is this data work where we're tying both Tuscarora and Danny Boy together. Uh, so we've got a good, clear vision as to what this can be. We've taken interest from it uh, on the on the joint venture level, uh, and that may be something that we pursue as we, as we drive it forward. We're referring to it as the Tuscarora District now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big property package. It's got the opportunity to hold something significant. There's high-grade all of it, from high-grade drill holes to samples, et cetera. Uh, that all need to be tied together. So that's the next piece of the puzzle for us is to kind of tie it all together uh, in a digital space uh, and then pursue these uh, incoming a, uh, inbound calls on potentially doing something with the uh, with the property in, in totality. Okay. So uh, just to refresh everybody, Tuscarora District, if we call it a district, is uh, Elko County, Nevada, correct? And so uh, obviously no stranger to gold exploration and mining near Elko. Uh, but, you know, let's talk about really the, you know, you kind of mentioned possibilities of what to do with Tuscarora. I mean, how are those relationships kind of shaping up in net, in general? What are you seeing out of Nevada for the opportunity for maybe uh, JVs or earning agreements with the big boys? I mean, I think we're in a enviable position in that, you know, look, up in Alaska, we've got the partnership with DOA. Uh, DOA Mining and Metals own the largest smelter out of Japan. Um, big partner funding a you know a big program 25.5 million dollar US program up in Alaska down in Montana we've got the partnership with Rio Tinto which has been an excellent partnership for us Rio's been a fantastic partner for us really enjoy working with them and now down in Nevada working with Centera uh, on the Ziggurat project that's uh, a new partnership for us uh, in that we just closed that transaction about two months ago got to visit the project about a month ago uh, super excited to see that get drilled. It's right between uh, Round Mountain and Northumberland. Round Mountain's uh, 20 million ounces and Northumberland's three and a half. The rocks look very similar in between and we're excited to see them drilled. Um, we're finding that a lot of these major mid-tiers are probably taking advantage of this sort of weaker junior market and wanting to transact. That's been our experience. Uh, I think there's still good transactions to be done. Uh, with these companies. Uh, we're seeing inbounds on it in terms of Tuscarora. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that shakes out over, over the course of time. But we've got a good relationship with, with most of the majors and, and happy to transact with them. It's been a business plan that's worked well for us so far. 
Uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago where finding people, uh, geologists, even drillers in Nevada, to find them to get to work, it was hard, and the costs were double, triple. What is that contract work, you know, that those contractors in those vendors, what's it like working with them now? Is it a little bit easier or still as difficult? You know, I think we're lucky in that we've got Eric Saderholm um, running Nevada for us and, and running the the projects. He was president, now is is head of exploration for us as we brought in Jonas Lang to, to be president, which has been a big help for me. But, you know, Eric's a, a 30, 40-year guy, um, former head of exploration in the Western U.S. for Newmont. He's got those relationships. He knows the guys personally, uh, knows the contractors really well, so knows how to be able to get access to drills, uh, what the, uh, the price of the contracts should be. We've never had a major issue. We always have viewed the Western U.S. as our home, and, and you know, Eric is our strategic advantage on those fronts. We've always focused in the Western U.S. Um, are there times where it's challenging to get drills? It can be, um, but it's always sort of worked out for us that we're able to get what we need and get it at the price that's you know, reasonable for, for the location. Okay, uh, let's move up to Alaska and talk about Palmer because that's really exciting. You've 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 have drilled and you've seen that first core of the season out. In fact, you shared some photos of it not too long ago in a news release. So it gives us a general sense of how is the drill program progressing uh, currently this summer, and then when do we actually get to see those first assays here, Warwick? Because I think your shareholders are pretty uh, are anticipating that any day. Yeah, without doubt. We're excited to get first, first assays out. Uh, assays went in uh, around the end of July. Uh, I think by the end of this month, first week of September, we'll have visibility on those. Obviously, the core looked quite good. That's why we put out the photos. It's not something that we typically do, but you know, a 42-meter run of massive sulfide can get anybody excited, myself included. So we're excited to get those out. We'd really like to have a press release out before Beaver Creek. Uh, that would be the game plan mm-hmm. uh, based on getting those assays back. But that seems like that timing is going to work out. I think we're 46% of the way through the drill program. Oh, nice. Peter Mercer's doing an excellent job up there for us running it now. Um, has really you know, professionalized the organization up there, uh, brought in a very good team, and I think is doing an excellent job of, of driving that asset ahead. Look, it's 14 million, It's a 14 million ton VMS, um, got a PEA, we'd like to get it through feasibility and, and, and see it work its way towards production here with a major partner who's funding it. So again, it's, it's a business plan that we like uh, and one that's working for us. All right. So, I mean, this program is not small. It's 25 million bucks with your partner, Doa. You mentioned that. So what are you trying to get out of this? I mean, and, and, and I guess the follow-up question is, is there a seasonality up there at Palmer? And so, you know, if it is, you're nodding your head yes. And so if, uh, I mean, if, there, if, if time does have a limit, what is the strategy with this limited time you have? But that's a ton of money. Yeah, no question. I mean, I think one of the interesting parts to, and I'll answer that in sort of a roundabout way, we paid $19.9 million Canadian in stock for Constantine Metals, uh, which brought us the Palmer deposit. This year alone, Doe is going to spend $25.5 million U.S. Is, is the budget. And over the next three years, they're slated to spend around $140 million U.S. I'll point back to the $19.9 million Canadian that we paid for it in stock. Of that 140 million US, we get paid 7% as the operator. So over the course of the next three years, we'll literally be paid back in cash, not almost to the almost to the T, what we paid for it, uh, and still retain a percentage of the project. 
that's good M and A. Uh, that's the type of M and A we're looking at, and and I think one of the reasons we've been we've been nominated for Deal of the Year twice by S and P Global Platts. We haven't won yet, but <laughs> but maybe yeah, maybe maybe the Constein transaction will be that one. One would hope. Um, yeah, twenty five million U S is is no small budget. Um, Doa. Doa is a unique partnership in that they own the largest smelter out of Japan. They view this that the the ownership of the project isn't as important. What they really want is the feed. Uh, they want to aggressively push this through feasibility and push this towards production uh, because they want that feed going through uh, Japan by 2030. Uh, That's quick. Yeah, it's pretty quick. Um, it's, a, it's a timeline that we're pushing for. Um, but they're going to spend aggressively to get to that point. Uh, which is, again, which is great for us, which is great for shareholders. It means a significant amount of news each and every year. It is seasonal. Um, you're sort of open there. You had been open there from kind of June to September where you don't have snow. We've put in a 75-man camp that can be expanded out to, I think it's 130-man camp. That pushes the seasonality where we can open up in May and continue drilling through October. So we've expanded that out. There's talk of driving a drift in as well. That was one of the things we even looked at this year, uh, which would make it virtually year-round. There'd be about a month and a half, two months where it would be too snowed in. Uh, but outside of that, that would be a, um, it would become a year-round project for us. We're working towards those goals. As it is for now, we pushed it out another two months by putting in this new camp. So we're driving it forward aggressively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I guess let's maybe jump into this with follow-up questions. So if DOA is pushing this project aggressively because they want the feed for their smelter in Japan, you know, I guess what does that relationship look like in five, eight years' time? here in Warwick, and what is the company's position with Palmer? Because you're not necessarily known as a mine builder. You're known as an exploration company. So how does that, you know, how, how do you kind of wrestle with that idea? That's a very smart question uh, <laughs> that, you've, uh, that you've just asked. You know, we're transactional by nature, to, to be completely clear. We believe in M&A in the space, but, you know, we don't just believe in buying assets. We're happy to sell them as well. Mm-hmm. I look at this, and when I first looked at Palmer, I, th- I thought two things. One, we were getting it for the right price at just under $20 million Canadian dollars for a 14 million ton high-grade VMS with a world-class partner. That math made a lot of sense. Two, we'd like to see it grow. There's, a, there's, there's 16 VMS showings, and only four of them are in the PEA, so it's got an opportunity to expand a lot, which is going to be important with the next part that I say. DOA is interested in the feed. We'd like to see it grow. We think that there will be a mid-tier, likely a major, that will be interested in this project as we put in all the permits, as we drive it forward, as we get through feasibility. You could see someone like, you know, an Agnico, a Hecla, a Coor, um, wanting to own this style of asset, uh, and that's a transaction that we would have interest in. Would it take a major, uh, you know, just given the examples of what you just gave, that would need to come in and have the uh, uh, political lobbying know-how to get this thing permitted and through construction? I think the answer to that is no. I mean, I think they're going to want to see some of those hurdles knocked down, and we're already crossing those hurdles off. Um, received one of our major permits last week, which we've been a little bit quiet on, but that's another hurdle that's that's come through. We're on 80% of the project is held on what's called mental health trust ground. Um, and essentially what that means is they get a small NSR, which is being negotiated for any money that's spent 
they receive a small NSR, that money goes to mental health trust initiatives within the state of Alaska. So it's very much open for business. It was formerly BLM, and then they annexed it and turned it into this mental health trust account. That helped a lot. The biggest due diligence items that we did when we came into this were permitting um, and then a... um, uh, uh, a local license. What was it going to be like with the locals and, and were they going to be in support of the project? Those were the two biggest hurdles mentally for us before we wanted to get involved. And obviously over the course of time as we dug into those, we felt very comfortable uh, that this was something that could get permitted uh, and that we could get local support with. Now the local support portion obviously takes work and you have to be doing consistent work there where you're talking and showing people that you're going to do this in an environmentally sensitive way. And that's work that we're we're doing more aggressively, I think, than our predecessor did, and that we're going to continue to do. You have to reach out, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to reach out to people and show them that, hey, you know, we want to drive this forward, but this is why it's going to be okay for you, and this is why it's going to be good for you. Uh, and those two things can be not necessarily mutually exclusive. So we're busy doing that. But from a permitting standpoint, I mean, this isn't Pebble. This isn't a massive, massive project. Right now, it's 14 million tons. It's going to be underground. There's lots of reasons that this can get permitted and move forward. And we fully believe that it will. I, I would ask you about the the geopolitics of all this because, you know, we don't know what the future holds. It, we, I think, Warwick, you and I can sit here and talk about how the world will be different in 10, 20 years from now. Um, you know, and, and I think that that relationship with Japan continues to be pretty strong between the U.S. Uh, and, and between the U.S. and Japan. But is, is, is there ever any concern that maybe the U.S. in times of crises would maybe, I don't want to say nationalize their own uh, uh, resources, but keep it in-house to where this relationship maybe needs, would, you know, would maybe become a little bit more fragile? And I know that's a loaded question, a very much loaded question. But uh, we do see these uh, these on the fringes things continue to be un- unwinding here. Have you given this thought at all? And if you have, how do you kind of approach it? And if you haven't thought about it, then just tell me go fuck off, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'll skip with the fuck off part. But uh, uh, no, listen, I think it, it's it's look, it's a unique perspective. Having worked in the U.S. for the greater part of my career at this point, um, the mining law that they have in place is strong. It was put in place in the 1800s. There are things about it, and I've talked about this with Eric, you know, over beers, we've sort of bashed it around, is, mm-hmm. you know, as he has always said, there's things that they'd love to see change, that you don't, where you could just do it online without having to put stakes in the ground, et cetera. Sure. But the problem is, once you start working on something like that, you're going to have significant issues as you get into the lobbying side of it and, and trying to get it through Congress and all that type of thing. Is It can be a real challenge, as we've seen with most things down in the U.S. But having that mining law that's been in place since the 1800s, you are now aware that you can find things in the U.S. You can, And if you follow the code, you can put them into production and drive them forward. I don't think that's going to change based on where these geopolitical problems may lie. Would I give it maybe more pause and more thought if we were dealing with a, a you know a Chinese national corporation? Potentially, but there's still a great deal of hurdle there. You know, the US doesn't want to be seen as, you know, one of these banana republics that all of a sudden goes and takes all their mining claims back. They're getting an awful lot of revenue through their mining claims and, and being able to drive these assets forward and seen as a very safe jurisdiction. 
as long as you follow the rules and push it through. Do I feel that that's something that we're going to have to cross, a bridge we're going to have to cross? I don't see it on the horizon. All right, very good. Uh, what else with the company? What 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 do we need to know here is uh, before we depart? And you know, we'll probably rendezvous again in a month's time at Beaver Creek. But you know, what else has the company been working on here that I neglected to ask you? You know, I think the biggest part for American Pacific at this point, you know, between a fifty and sixty million dollar market cap as it trades, you know, is having thirty million in exploration that's being funded by all being funded by partners. Right. If you look at Hecla, Hecla spent 29 million U.S. last year on exploration. Core spent 27 million U.S. on exploration. We're going to be right within that, with right within that number this year. Um, but that's a three and a half billion and a billion dollar market cap, respectively. And we're sitting at 50 to 60 million. A lot going on up at Palmer. Uh, we're going to announce here shortly the game plan down at Madison. We're going to be down there drilling. Uh, you know, roughly a thousand meters going into the scar in there this year as well. We're excited to get that out and 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 get drilling there. I mean, I think that's the project we were probably well, we were definitely most well known for before Palmer, uh, and one that's carried some incredible grades and, and has a great partner in Rio. Excited to get going on that. Now that we've picked up the the, the Clearview transaction, we've got Ziggurat and the partnership with mm-hmm. with a um, with Centera down there. Uh, seeing that getting drilled, and that's probably going to get drilled in the fall, it looks like. Okay. Um, we'd hoped it was going to get drilled in the summer, but they're just in the process of permitting that. The 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 asset sits on um, half BLM, half Forest Service, so the BLM's permitted, ready to go. They want to permit the Forest Service side before they drill it so they can hit all the targets at once, which makes sense to us. Um, so that likely looks like it ends up being in the fall. Uh, but, you know, again, significant budgets uh, from partners, I would – Register the guess that most $50, $60 million market caps are probably getting 2 to $5 million worth of exploration this year where we're going to see over 30. So it puts us in a unique perspective. You know, I guess that's a – how do you kind of put that into evaluation of a company where you your exploration budget for a year is greater than your market cap? I mean, I, is, do people going out there and crunching the numbers, do they just not perceive a, an exploration budget as – being a significant part of the valuation of the equity and you've been in this business for a while like why is that well we haven't got there yet i mean we're we're 30 million it's about 34 million canadian and we're at a 50 60 million dollar okay. market but we're close sure, sure. <laughs> look it's a challenging market as, as we're both both aware of um there's been some outliers like fireweed that have done incredibly well and i'm happy to see those guys doing well brandon's a great guy and and it's nice to see you know uh, another zinc explorer really succeeding um, and, and well worth it in that case. But for the bulk of us, it's been a challenging a challenging market. We know how to market companies quite well. Uh, in 2021, uh, the Wall Street Journal Mining Index ranked us, consistently ranked us the number one performing gold stock globally uh, with the market cap going up 1,348% that year. That was more risk on market. Um, so certainly when we have a more risk on market, we'll be able to beat the drum and, and point to everything that's happening. I think in a position where we have cash, we have an awful lot going on. I don't want to spend an awful lot of money aggressively marketing uh, when I think you're streaming into a void. That time is going to come, and I think that time's going to come starting in the fall here. Uh, and I think we're all certainly hopeful for that. But shareholders ultimately want to see drilling uh, sure. and see the assets being driven forward. You're getting that in spades here. Um, and so when there is a bit of more risk on market, uh, I think we'll be on that first mover advantage. I mean, being on the other side of publishing content out of this space, I mean, I, it has been a very challenging summer of, you know, getting a steady flow of these updates out because, to be honest, with you, 
few people have news that they want to re- can or want to report. And and I've in I've sat in this this chair and been through the a similar cycle before. I mean, this one's pretty bad, but it is funny when the market does turn around, then you have absolutely zero problem creating content because everybody wants to talk to you, uh, which is really quite fascinating. But this is why you and I work together is because even when news was slow and it, the news was slow the first half of the year and you said, don't worry, like, we're, you know, we're, we're with you. We're going to come back and there's gonna be a lot of news for the second half of the year. And now we're starting to see it. But you can't allow, I mean, companies should also know, like, even when news is slow or the market's bad, you still, and I firmly believe you have to continue to put that brand and that company out there with at least simple updates. Because when the market turns, everybody's going to be pushing updates and content out and it will get saturated. Yeah, you, you make a strong point. I mean, I think one of the things that we've, we try to do is we try to stick with the, the core channels, guys like yourself that, that have a great following. We know we're getting the word out and shareholders know what we're doing. It's the more aggressive side where you're really beating the drum that you pull back on. I think if you're not telling your story, you're doing a disservice to your shareholders. You have to be able to get out there and say, okay, this is what we're up to, even in quiet times um, and risk off markets. You still got to be communicating so guys know that you're working hard. Um, there's certainly no lack of that, and you want to be out there letting people know for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, that's your update from American Pacific Mining. Again, trading on the CSE with USGD Warwick. Uh, thanks for welcoming me into your office. I appreciate it. Handshake there. And uh, we'll see you uh, in my office, uh, the Great Rocky Mountains, here in a couple weeks' time. I'm looking forward to it, Trevor. Great to see you. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.